Welcome everyone to the Change Starts Here podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. And on this week's episode, we welcome Principal Amen Ra. And I just have to say before we even start, it's one of the most exciting, fun conversations I've had in a long time. I use the word dope, I think twice. I can't think of the last time I actually used that. But um, once you meet Principal Ra, you recognize you know, he talks about, he, he wrote a book recently called Revolutionary School Culture, The Six Principles of Unlocking Your School's Hidden Treasure. And, you know, oftentimes we hear about people who speak of revolution and wanting to change the way things are. But when you dive into the school that he's built out in Compton, California, when you see the videos, I think at one point I encourage you guys to pause the podcast, which is probably terrible podcasting, but pause the podcast to go watch the video of a recent school that he went into in the South Bronx that's utilizing some of the principles that he talks about. And it just, it's amazing. The the passion that you see in the kids, the passion for the adults and the passion that the adults have for the kids is unmatched. It's a, this conversation is a fun conversation. We go off on certain tangents, uh, even in sports for a little bit, but for the most part, we stay on track because Principal Ra is someone who is very much committed to his life's mission of revolutionizing school cultures. And he wants to help everyone in every school and every kid and particularly every staff member have the schools that they've always wanted to be a part of and get the results that they've always wanted to have. It's not someone that, you know, sometimes you hear when you talk about um, school culture, the, the conversations can almost seem too soft. They can be just focused on the touchy feely things. It, it almost feels where you know that you still have to get academic results and you're still held accountable by your local and state and federal standards. He's not someone who shies away from that. And this conversation doesn't shy away from it. So I would say, even if you're not a principal or you're not a, uh, an educator uh, listening to this, this is an awesome conversation. It's someone that I think you can walk away taking really great leadership tips from, but also mindsets. This is a great conversation. Like I said, as you listen to this, if you have someone in your life, I sent this video to folks who aren't even educators, um, that the the video that I tell you guys about the YouTube video that he just put out because I, I wanted them to see what's possible for kids and what's happening in schools. And so as you're listening, if there's someone in your life that you think needs to listen to this and get to know who Eamon Ra is, please send it to them. Uh, if you're a subscriber, we thank you so much for your support. If you're not a subscriber, please pause, hit the subscribe button. Uh, we need all the support we can get, and we appreciate you being a loyal listener. Um, enjoy this conversation. I hope you enjoy it half as much as I did. All right, Principal Ra, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited to talk to you, as you can probably tell in our uh, initial conversation. Yeah, man. It's, it's Listen, I'm happy to be here, Dustin. I'm happy to be on the show but I'm happy to more importantly, man, talk about how we're going to revolutionize education and ultimately the world. Absolutely. So before we get there, we're going to dive deep into that because uh, that's not a light statement to throw around. Right. Who are you and what do you love about what you do? All right, man. Listen, my name is Amen Raw. Like literally my first name is Amen. Like after you pray, uh, I'm the youngest of six. I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a friend. And, uh, you know, I'm just an advocate for just making deep social impact, man. And I, I'm I'm on a mission to revolutionize education, man. I was that one kid that didn't see the relevance in school. I was that one kid that didn't understand the connection. Um, and then I kind of 
got on this pathway to find my hidden treasure, you know, my hidden treasure of, if you read the book, The Alchemist and the, the, the story of Santiago, you know, finding his hidden treasure. And I found my hidden treasure and that's to, you know, motivate, inspire anybody I come across to better their best every day. So that's, that's who I am. And that's what I'm about. So can you just tell us a little bit about your journey? So one, I mean, being uh, one of six is a unique experience, especially in today's culture where we only have, <laughs> most families are the nuclear families of one or two kids, right? Uh, what was that like? But also your journey of, one, one of the challenges that I, I think of um, from my time in education, like I told you, I spent some time teaching out where you were as well as St. Louis. And one of the pressures that my students felt in an all, all black community was if they wanted to be educators or aspired to be educators, it wasn't the path that was encouraged by their community, their parents or whatever else. So I'm curious, what was your life like growing up and how did you land here to be principal raw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. So like anybody like they can Google. So I'm named after my father. So my father, he actually changed his name when he um, got out of jail when he was younger. Like he changed his name at 24. His name was Arthur. And then he changed it to Amin Ra after the Egyptian sun got um, and then he married my mom. I mean, he had three other kids previous to my to him marrying my mom. They had three kids with with my mom, and I'm the youngest of six. So uh, when I was born, you know, they was gonna name me Arthur. And my mom was like, "Nah, change your name. We ain't gonna do that." So that's how I became Amen Raw. And growing up, man, growing up, it's six of us, right? Six kids. Five out of the six are all in education. My father was a professor. I mean, you you said that he was he was a professor actually at Cal State Long Beach. He helped develop and build the entire black studies department at Long Beach State. He hired the person that invented Kwanzaa, right? So follow, follow along here. So, but when I'm growing up, man, I'm like, yo, you're a councilman, you're a teacher, all y'all are, te- y'all not making no money. Y'all are, why, why are we, how are you this professor and all this, but we still living in the hood. Like we still like struggling. I said, though, I didn't get, so they like, they was preaching education in my household and I was just like, nah. So I actually was a rapper. So I was going to be a rapper, play football. Like I had it made out, play for the Dallas Cowboys, buy my mama a house, live happily ever after. You know what I mean? Uh, go Cowboys. But my team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look, see, see, look at the, look how the synergy works. And, you know, my father, I tell this story all the time. You know, my father was incarcerated. He got incarcerated when I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, he was a council member political warfare, he got put in prison, right? Yep. My grades plummeted and I got I got myself together, I wanna to say at age 20, read the book, The Alchemist, kind of changed my life. And then education chose me. And mm. that was when I got into education and I started to see the inequities that exist in education, right? And then that's what motivated me to become a principal, man. I, uh, uh, that was really my, my, my step into the world of education was when I became a teacher assistant. Wow. That's crazy. So when, you know, you go from uh, that kind of upbringing and seeing like experiencing uh, incarceration with your family, but also like you went from like thinking you were going to be a rapper to an educator. When you thought about your first school, we're not going to the revolution just yet. We'll get there. I promise. Right, right. You get a chance to be a principal. Like what, what, what was the first day like? What was the, what were you feeling that day? I mean, yeah, you got a lot of passion, but that's a, that's a big, when you get the keys handed to you, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I take it back. Like even first, um, 
I was, I think what, what has helped me in, in my journey is I've always been an entrepreneur. You know what I mean? I always yep. had that kind of mindset from, I guess, rapping, selling CDs out the trunk type of atmosphere, trying to, you know, figure it out. You have a side hustle, basically. Side hustle, man. Yeah. It was just like, but it was, he was always a hustler, right? So when I, I just took that hustler mentality that was street and, and selling clothes and selling merch. And I was like, yo, I can go hustle up degrees. I can go hustle up businesses. I can go and understand equity. Like it, it just like, I've just seen a whole nother world. Right. And uh, I was a teacher assistant, but I always knew like, <laughs> I never could just work for somebody else. Like, I, so anytime I started somewhere, I'm like, yo, I gotta, I gotta get to the top of the, like, how do I get to the top here? Right. Cause I just, I want to, I want to change things. So, um, when I became a teacher, man, I came a teacher at a school that my father went to in the middle of Watts in the middle of four rival gangs, right? Like mm-hmm. all the kids come to this middle school after elementary. And a lot of, like my cousins went there, my father graduated there. And my first day, the principal gave me the one of the smallest rooms and gave me all the kids in the entire school nobody wanted. Wow. And I used to, you know, I'm 20 years old at this time. And I'm just like, yo, I didn't know there was a, until one of the veteran teachers was like, yo, you got all the kids nobody wanted, right? And I was just <laughs> like, yo, and we made, we had a great time, right? And then, they didn't know who the principal was. They didn't have a relationship with the principal. And then one time the principal called me to come to the office to work with one of the kids around a disciplinary issue. And I said, yo, what? This something right here. So at the age of 20, I said, oh, I get it. I got to be the principal. So that's what like got me to understand. And I, w- I didn't want to be a principal anywhere else. I want to be a principal in my community. Yep. So fast forward, man, I, mean, I became a principal. I just was like, you know, it's a dream come true. So. When you say, I mean, I love the fact you you are not shy about saying I'm building a revolution here, right? And I would say all of our listeners to this podcast, they may not use the same strong wording, but they're all about how do I create change in myself so that I can lead and love and serve differently? And you've created that. So when you say revolution, what are we talking about from your lens? Absolutely. So revolution is making a positive, immediate impact on yourself your school, your community, and ultimately the world, right? It is like, if you really define revolution, it's a sudden drastic change, right? And evolution is slow and gradual. So revolution is like, what are practical things that we could do that could turn around overnight? Will you turn the whole thing around overnight? No, but you could turn some things around overnight. Like practical things of like, Hey, how how can we now have career pathways for kids to understand the tech more? Like that's something that we can implement right away. There's a whole list of programs that that can do that. How can we now build relationships? Like as a principal, as a teacher, we can be in front of our school every day getting to know kids' names. Like when I was when I was a principal, I'm no longer a principal now, but when I was principal, I took pride with knowing every kid name. I gave myself 45 days to know every single student over 400 kids' name in my school. If not, they get to pie me in the face in front of the whole school. To me, that's a revolutionary practice, you know? Yeah. So what, you know, when I think about a revolutionary school, I'm trying to picture like, what does that look, sound, and feel like? Man, uh, it, it looks, sound, and feel like, like I, like I just had a show that just came out called Revolutionary School Culture. And we dropped, uh, we just featured a principal by the name of uh, Dr. Travis Brown. And his school was in the South Bronx. And if you know anything about New York and you know anything about the South Bronx, you know, I don't got to go into much further detail about the community that that's in. And I swear to you, you go look at his school, 
He has a music studio in there. He has a barbershop in there. He has a salon in there. He has a podcast area. He has a, listen, listen to this, Dustin. He has a rock climbing wall for kids in his school. He has a big slide in the school. He has teach, he, I mean, his lounge area looks better than Starbucks, right? Revolutionary school culture is how you build an aspirational environment that motivates kids to want to be there more than any other place in the world. So I'll tell you that, that, that video just, I think dropped yesterday or the last couple of days. It it is the dope. And I don't use the word dope very often. It is the dopest video I have seen when it comes to education. You can ask Abby, our producer after this, I've already sent it to a couple of friends. I mean, I, like you said, Travis, he talked about something in that video about um, you asked him like something about the culture and he said something about swimming upstream or going with the stream. Do you remember that? Because yep. I thought that was really enlightening. And it, it talked a little bit about the revolution I think you're trying to build. Absolutely. So with Dr. Travis Brown, his, his mantra was, you know, a lot of schools and a lot of leaders and a lot of educators go against the kid current. Right. We try to fix kids. And he said, I go along with the kid current. Right. And if you know anything, it looks like if, I don't know if some of your audience ever went to the ocean and, you know, we're in California. So like, oh, so I remember one time I, I didn't know anything about waves. Right. And I, I went to I took my wife and I we went to Maui. Right. And there's this area called the big beach and it had like some of the biggest waves. Right. So I went there and I'm like, I'm this big guy. I'm good. And she's like, yo, go in. And these waves are coming. And it was like subtle. So I'm walking in and I'm running in. And then this wave just comes and it's huge, right? So in my head, I'm like, all right, it ain't, it's huge, but it ain't like huge, it ain't taller than me. So I figured like, maybe I jump over the wave, right? So I was gonna jump over the wave and I'm gonna be cool. Like you're in the pool. I jumped, I, I went against the kid current. I went against the current, jumped and that water snatched me up, Dustin, and slammed me against the the, the ground. And I got up and ran out the, I ran out the ocean, right? And I'm saying that story is because what Travis Brown was saying is that that was that was correlation to many schools. They go against it and they always are having this friction. It'd be that kid like they can't be their authentic self and you're trying to fix them and try to assimilate them or try to form them into something that they're maybe not. He says, let me find out your passions. Let me find out the path that you want to go and let me motivate you and educate you along the way. And I think that that was made his school revolutionary. So one thing that I know that you believe in, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if I'll get the words right, but it was clear in this video that he, Dr. Brown also believes in this. Oftentimes when I've seen uh, inspiring principles, creating environment for kids that are trying to inspire them to greatness, it can come at the expense of the adults in the building. Uh, Meaning, you know, if you're talking to you as like Principal Ra, like your teachers, it's it's all about kids first. You just got to do it. Suck it up kids first. But like you said, that teacher's lounge is the coolest thing I've seen mm-hmm. in so long. I think you even had like a private room where you could yeah. get wireless charging for your phones. Like it's, it's crazy. Yep. What, what's your thoughts there on how do we make sure it's a place that kids want to come, but it's also a place where adults want to come and thrive. And you, you, you nailed it right there. Like as a leader, one of the things, so the school I built, like the school I founded, I was one. I was the youngest founding principal in LAUSD history. I opened my school about seven years ago, six, seven years ago. Uh, I was 28 years old. I'm 35 now. And one of the key things was, how do you build an organizational culture for your staff to want to be there, right? And you've seen in the video we dropped with Dr. Travis Brown, he created like 
you see the lounge, you got you, everything you need is in there. You have a couch, you have a private room, you have refrigerator, you have microwave, you have working air conditioning. You have so much there that says, I'm giving you, I'm taking all the barriers away and I'm allowing you to be a professional. And I think the, the revolution of leadership is around how much do you love on your staff and treat them like the highest level of a professional? Right. Like if you see a lawyer, lawyers in, in the industry, my friend is a lawyer, like they, they have retreats and they're really building relationships. They're taking they have golf tournaments. They're saying we value you. And I think that's what what Travis, myself and great leaders do is saying, you know what? Let's value each other and let's value each other in this space and let's be a family while doing it and uh, let's elevate. So I think that's what really it means. And I call it the micro unit of change. The leader, if you pour love into your teachers, then your teachers will pour love into the students and students will pour love back into the world. That's awesome. Uh, so can we, I mean, I, again, I, 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 the video is amazing. I, it's, I think maybe one other time out of two and a half years of doing this podcast, if I said hit pause on this conversation and go Google it, what, what do they need to Google just to find it? Can they just Google your name, Principal Raw, or yeah, they can, is there a name of the video series? They can Google the name, but if you t- go to like YouTube and just type in revolutionary school culture, it will pop up. It's episode one. And uh, yeah, it's so dope. I can't believe I keep using the word dope. I'm not that cool to be able to use it. So, all right, we're as great as, um, you know, Dr. Brown and his school is, I want to talk about you and what you're building. And so, you know, you've written a book, correct? Yep. <laughs> Revolutionary yep. School Culture, Six Principles to Unlock Your School's Hidden Treasure. Can we dive into like those six principles in a way? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no doubt. So, Go ahead. I don't know if you're saying. No, I just like, where does it start? What's the first principle of like, when you think about, I'm trying to build this culture, what are you thinking? Yeah. You know, so traveling across the country and meeting leaders and when I built my school, what you will see is there's a misalignment between the North star of schools. Like for example, you, you was in education. You can go to any school. I, I challenge you when you go visit a school, 70% of the staff there don't know the mission of the school. They don't know the mission. They don't know where they're going. And, and you know what? Take, take it even further. Some leaders don't even know the mission of their school that they're running. Like I, I do workshops with leaders all the time. And I say, okay, how many of you guys can explain the mission of your school in less than 10 seconds? And I said, without Googling, like they're going Google the name of the school, trying yep. to figure out the mission. The mission is a statement. So principle one is about setting the stage. And it sets the stage with three things. If What's your year end goal? Like as a principal, it's it's the end of the school year. Fast forward. How do you determine if you won or if you lost as a principal? What's that number one thing that is your year end goal? Number two is how do you develop a mantra that helps you and motivates you and your staff to work towards the year end goal? And number three is how do you create a metric that you can do a data cycle every four to six weeks that lets you know that you're on pace to achieve that goal? How is that received sometimes? I, I have found, you know, I, I, I did school turnaround. So I helped create the Office of Innovation and Turnaround in St. Louis Public Schools. And, you know, what I found is I, sometimes you have folks who are all data folks and sometimes they struggle with the relational heart side. And when you talk too much heart, they check out. Or you have a lot of folks who are on mission, right? Who once you start showing data, they get a little bit jaded by what we're doing there. How, how do you marry those two so both groups can kind of continue to take steps ahead. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you said that because that goes straight into principle two. And that's going to how do you build a high performing team? Mm. 
Yep. Right. And because the reality, listen, I, I, I'm big in sports. I don't know about you, Dustin, but like if I, I'm a Laker fan. Right. And, and especially Kobe, Shaq, Aaron, like that's that's it. <laughs> and what I tell the school leaders and who's that data person or who's that relational person, that's great. Everybody has a role. Derek Fisher had a role for the Lakers. Rick Fox, no matter how much I hated sometimes, when he, would do, he had a role. Shoot the right? But they don't make Robert Ory, Big Shot Rob had a role. And I, what I say to that is, what if the Lakers have five shacks on the team? Did they need five shacks? No, who was going to bring the ball up? Who was going to shoot the free throw? So what I'm saying is, okay, you're the culture person, but you don't need five culture people. Or you're the data person. You don't need. So what I say for the leaders, how do we now, one, organize your team? And number two, mobilize your team. Yep. And, and with high-performing team, it's a structure we develop called RSL. What's the results you want with your team? What's the skills that's needed to, to get those results? And L is leverage. How do you leverage the skills to get to those results? I love it. All right, so what's the next step after I have that? Yeah, so now you got a high-performing team. Yep. Now you got to get to step three and get develop a constructive environment and constructive work environment is how do you have a culture of uh, a great organizational culture and a great school culture that has the policies that's needed with PBIS positive behavior interventions and supports. And you really outline the infrastructure of your philosophy and your core values and your expectations at your school. So once you have core three, which is your constructive environment, then you can go to number four, which is then your aspirational environment. And then this is how you develop the walls of your school. How do you create a structure? Like at my school, we create a cascade of relationships. And what I mean by that is if you think of a triangle that's reversed, right? We started with something that's called family. We call it all our assemblies family, right? Family is a way where all of our kids come together every Monday morning for 30 minutes to be inspired, to be updated, and to be acknowledged for the great work that they're doing. Mm. After family, we had something that's called, typically schools call them advisories or homeroom. After lunch, we moved it and we called it kinship, right? Kinship. Kinship is automatically saying we have family kinship. Oh, we're part of something, right? We're, we're, we're part of something together. After that, we developed a house system similar to Harry Potter that had like culturally relevant and we got kids to want to belong. And then we gamified the whole entire thing. So we gamified them competing with their attendance, their grades, their civic responsibility and financial entrepreneurship or next generation financial teaching in which we call it. And then that yielded us to having zero fights in three years and two back-to-back 100% graduation rates. That is nuts. The, the house thing that yeah. I know you talked about first, but being able to see a quick video also to see what that looks like in Dr. Brown's, like to me, that is amazing. Like just to walk in every day, know that I am a part of that crew and that crew is about positive, uplifting things. Like that, that was the one I would say when I was a teacher, the one area that we struggled was one of many, but like one of the ones that I noticed is where's the peer pressure to want to choose the right things, Yep. right? Because yep. like, we're all kids. Like I was a kid, like the school I went to had some of that peer pressure, nowhere close to what you're trying to build, which is why you keep calling it a revolution as it should be. But how do we develop in all schools, but particularly the schools that you were serving in, that positive, still that team, I want to be a part of something, but I'm going to go get something together kind of culture. Yeah, I, I, and, and what's, what's beautiful about, at least my story and where I come from is you start to understand the psychology of why kids like myself or others 
will want to be in a gang or, or will want to hate on each other or even want to unfortunately take somebody else's life is because of one of the emotional regulation. A lot of kids make long term decisions based on short term emotions. Yep. But a lot of t- a lot of times media, you know, it it makes it look sexy. It makes doing the wrong thing looks good. Right. It makes. Oh, my gosh. You know, you did something bad. You get all this attention. Right? Like you go to school, they all know the bad kids, right? Like oh, yeah. they all know that. But how do we now say, you know what? Doing the right thing is cool. Being the right thing is cool. Having dreams are cool. You can be cool. Like being a principal is cool. Right. Like I wore, like I, the way I talked to you was the way I talked to my staff was the way I talked to my kids. I was fully my authentic self. And I said, kids was like, I didn't know a principal could be like that. And I'm saying, yes, you can. Right. Like you don't have to just, you know, always be like, like this, you can be a real human being. And I think that is the revolution of saying, you know what? It's possible to be you and still be great. How long, that was a question I want to dive deeper with you, is how long does creating a house system like that take to really have significant roots, right? Where people are showing up ready to find their house or like be a part of a house. Like how long does that take? Can you believe it or not, it doesn't take that long. Like, really? like to, get, to get the excitement and to get kids, one, like one of the things I work with schools across the country is like, how to create a moment to spark a movement. And the house system, it, the launch, we call it We call it the launch, right? We get schools to create their launch and we build up to their launch. And once they get the launch, the goal is, the metric of success is have over 80% of the entire school know what house they're in and yep. be able to have a chant, be able to have a mantra and structure it, right? Once you get them, that's the bait. They're already hooked. Because culturally, we all want to be part of something, whether it's a, a golf country club, no matter if it's the billion dollar boys club, we all want to be part of our local church. We want to be part of something. Yep. So in the school, they're there six hours. If you create something for kids to want to be a part of, now you just point them in the right direction. Oh, man, it takes off quick. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So we got through the four. What's fit? What's number five? All right. So number five, right? So you built all that great culture and all that great stuff. Now, number five, you have to create a culture centered around data now. Like you can't do all this and not have data be a part of it, but you need those structures there first to now look at the data with the right and correct eye and measure what matters, right? A lot of schools don't measure what matters, right? Like they're measuring all these other high stakes tests and this and that. And traditionally, where has that gotten us? Right. Traditionally, gotten us to where we're at now. So right. the whole point of revolution is changing what we measure. And we do that by the 80-20. We put 80% um, focus on 20% of the things that we feel is making the biggest problems. And the biggest problems that we felt was the lack of love in our school, the lack of a sense of belonging, and the lack of self-efficacy and growth mindset. So we focused on that, and our numbers went crazy, right? Have so, you... Uh, have you ever heard of Hip Hop Congress? No. Uh, it was a group. So one of my buddies who was just a phenomenal teacher in St. Louis had started something called Hip Hop Congress where he, you know, taught his, t- his kids English through the power of hip hop and writing ver- I mean, just It's phenomenal. And he and I used to always dream big because we love data, but we were always trusting that it's about love and heart. And we could never figure out, like, how do you create a metric around love? You just said something that is so clear and so powerful 
but often it gets put aside because you're like, oh, that's kind of soft. That's cute, Principal Ra. Like, mm-hmm. uh, how, how do you measure that? What does that look like? How do you guys make sure you stay, you go after that and succeed in that? Yep. So big shout outs to one of the principals I work with, brother of mine. His name is uh, Doc, I mean, uh, Akbar Cook, principal of Westside High School in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, he, he wrote a book called Focus on the Love. I, I have it somewhere. Yeah, Focus on the Love. And after reading that book and after doing naturally the work, we make qualitative or things that feel qual- we have to quantify it and we have to have a metric of success to determine are we winning at this love thing right and are, are we losing and i think that has to be quantified and for us we quantify it of course with not not referrals we quantified it by how much what's the percentage of kids that were in extracurricular programs that we brought to the school well like a lot of times kid like after school, it's like, go home, get the heck up out of here. Yeah. We quantify a love of how many kids want to be to school, how many kids wanted to come to school, and how many kids want to stay at school. Mm. And that was really like how we determined it. Did y'all have one of the unique things that I, you know, my privilege didn't allow me to understand when I went to go teach was uh, I taught trigonometry one of the years and then have to have my kids stay after. And I, I'll never remember one of my students telling me, you know, Mr. O, I'm all in staying after, but if I miss that 3.30 bus or whatever, I got to walk across that neighborhood back there and I can't do that. Yep. Is that the same life that your kids have to deal with sometimes? 1,000%, sometimes, all the time. So, yeah, so that that's my question. How, you know, I, I, I was still processing that. So, like, I would drive him, but that's not systematic. And if I was principal, I don't know how I would solve that for all the kids. How do you help work around that when you have a school that's in a situation kind of like that? Yeah, so you... It's a, there's no one size fit all, right? There's no one solution. But for us, what we did was we worked with nonprofits in the community to help support us with our after school programming because most, most kids are doing it because they don't feel safe. Yep. They, they don't feel safe. So when you, when you create a partnership, which I like to call it just a public private partnership with schools yep. and community based organizations, it'll allow now kids to know, oh, their parent may know somebody from that organization. All right. Yeah. You can take them home. So now it's not just only you as a teacher, right? It's it's a village. Like we always say, like it takes a village to res- raise and educate our young people. Our schools must prioritize the village. So we we develop community-based organizations and community-based partnerships that made it feel like it was home after school. So and and parents knew people from there, and it, and those people had their insurance taken care of, so they was able to take a lot of kids. So. You know, I've got a lot of principal friends and people are listening, hopefully are a lot of aspiring principals or educators who are principals. A lot of people talk about, you know, I want to have good partnerships in the community, but man, you've got, you know, I have a couple of the highlights on here of your your, your record is pretty cool in this area with the Clippers getting a basketball court, Think Rots making the music program, Planet Fitness giving you a weight room, FBI helping you build an academy. What advice can you give principals to help their paradigms go bigger or get clearer uh, to have like life-changing partnerships, not just like I go to this person, they kind of help us a little bit here and there. Yep. Yep. So (laughs) for aspiring leaders or for current leaders, you must leverage social media and leverage the story that exists in your building. See, the, the work in the past was Hey, I just want to do the work, just want to do the work. And the work only lived in the four walls of your building. For the partnerships that we gained, it was, listen, Dustin, that was all through social media. Like the Clippers found my story, like this is just a quick story. 
I had nine months to build a school without the structure being built. Like, like school opened August 8th, I mean, August 13th. The building wasn't done till August 8th. So I had to develop like a school without a school, right? And I leveraged social media. I was just talking about the vision. Didn't know how the heck it was going to happen. But we was, I was like, yo, I had a dream and I had a vision of like, yo, I want a firefighter academy. I want an FBI academy. I want to, because we had kids coming from the hood that just had horrible relationships with authority and rightfully so in some cases in law enforcement. But I said, yo, how can we bridge this? So it was like, yo, let me reach out social media, social media. Somebody said, oh, I know the captain of the Los Angeles Fire Department. Boom. They sent them the page. They see my videos. It was like, yo, I want to work with the, that school. I love what they're trying to do. Boom. For free. Had a had the captain of the Los Angeles Fire Department have a pathway for kids to bridge to become firefighters. Same thing happened with the FBI. I was like, yo, it'd be dope. I don't want to just be this. I want, I want FBI. I want CSI. I want all that cool stuff. I didn't even know they had a teen academy. You know what I mean? Then, boom, I found out through social media. Somebody was like, oh, he's trying to do that. Like, oh, let, oh, I hear about the stool. Boom. We had a yearly, year-long, 10-week program sponsored by the FBI. They brought CIA agents teaching the kids about contraband, fingerprint, all these cool things, right? Yep. So this was the way we leveraged social media to tell your story, to control a narrative. Because yes, Dustin, we are all about proficiency and academic excellence and all those great things. But we also forget about how do we get there? We get there through really great partnerships, really great experiences that motivates kids to now want to better their best in all aspects of their life. Yeah, I love that power of partnership and experiences. We had a gentleman on um, named Chip Heath a while back and he, him and his brother, Dan Heath, wrote one of many really cool books, but one of them was called The Power of Moments. Mm-hmm. It's about how you can create experiences that have life-changing impact with your organization. Do you have a philosophy like that? Is that part of when you help schools build out their year, are you helping them really think through some of those key anchor experiences so that uh, you get the momentum and the impact that you want? And if so, what are those? Yeah, you know, it's, it's like that flywheel effect, right? It's like, again, it goes back to these micro moments that will catapult academic or cultural movements within your school, right? Yep. And schools that I work with, rather it be launching a house system and then boom, six weeks, we're having a pep rally right after it, right? Yep. And the pep rally is around which house had the best attendance and which house had the best GPR, which house had the best grades, right? So now these are micro moments that catapult not only the kids, but the entire school community to the next benchmark. Right. Yep. A lot of times we got to understand society has this all on instant gratification. Think about social media. Like we all want things quick. We want things in bite size. We want it quiet. We want it's the attention economy. Right. Like if we understand how the economy has evolved, we've been in the attention economy for so long. So now we also have to figure out how do we keep the attention of the youth? How do we keep the attention of the parents? One thing that we did, Dustin, was called the ethical bribe on social media. Okay. Parents will come in. We will tell them, like our Facebook page, like our Instagram page, go comment and get into our raffle. The reason why we did that was we wanted to be high on the algorithm for them. It showed back in that. If you like something, if you comment, if you like hit the little ringer, boom, now you're in a raffle. And the reason why we wanted that was when we push out content or announcements, we wanted to make sure that it was visible for our parents or guardians who were on social media that use that more than they use email. So that was something that that we we took and how we <laughs> made momentum. So is part six, did I, did I touch on it with the community partnership? I hope I did because I was trying to set you up, but did I miss it? Well, so, so actually you got the data and part six is actually now teaching and learning. 
Mm. Right. Like, so you set up your culture, like Dustin, I don't know about you, but for me, I have never seen, like, there's not enough great instruction that can overcome a toxic culture. <laughs> you know I, what I mean? I like, like, like you can lesson plan for years, come up with the best lesson. But if you don't know how to touch the ethos of a kid or a parent or somebody in that school community, that lesson is going to most likely fail. And I think it's really important for us to like set those parameters up. And then now it makes teaching and learning a lot easier. If you're a presenter, if you know that you are going to a place that feels like home, oh man, you walking in there and you giving them all kind of gems freely. You just, you just <laughs> giving it to them. But when you're at this, sometimes you're at a play, you don't know you. Sometimes for me as a speaker, you know, you got a vibe off the crowd. You see somebody laugh or you see somebody give you something. You're like, oh, yeah, this we about to really get busy. Right. Yeah. Versus somebody that's just looking at you don't, like that is how culture work and energy works and the transfer of energy. So we want the transfer of energy to be this great culture that transfer transfer to great academic excellence and great academic outcomes. What's the most I think I know what this answer is, but what's the most common pushback you get from skeptics about your work or, you know, the, the principles that you're teaching? Yeah. You know, I would say that the most common pushback is the pushback of the lack of self-awareness. A lot, and what I would say that is there's many leaders and many people that don't know that they are, um, they have been so traumatized and re-traumatized and burnt out that they can't acknowledge it. Right. Like they're like, yo, this is how it's been for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And they are they're fighting to hold on to that. Right. They resist that type of change. Um, But honestly, it's not about. The and I'm glad you asked that question. A lot of times it's not about the why for change. A lot of people don't know how. So I think like the the, the point of like even my show and my work and the principles is how do we give you practical skills so you can know how to do it? Because I meet teachers all the time and they want to do it. A lot of times they want to do it but they are not confident in the how. And a lot of times the how is too far. It's like, you know, it's like almost somebody who's trying to, you know, uh, uh, transform their body. And they, yep. you've been, you've been eating horrible for 40 years. And you know, the hardest thing to do is now change your eating habits. You know, it's the right thing to do. You know, you want to do it. You know, all those great things, but you damn it. You like that sandwich. Hey, are you, <laughs> you, like pizza. That, you like Ice that cream. pizza, those tacos, right? Like, like, so I, I like to equate it to, yo, you have a good heart. You are there. You are that. And the problem is, see, when you're doing the diet for yourself, you only impact yourself with your bad diet. When you're a teacher and you have a bad diet, you don't only impact yourself, you're impacting the lives of others. And that's why we have to touch the the the, the, the uh, soul of the teachers because to let them know that it's not just about you. Yes, you can have a bad diet and that hurts you, but having a bad diet in education, it impacts the health, the physical, spiritual, and academic health of every kid that you come across. And that's why we have to change it. So in, in every state, I'm, I'm in Florida right now. I travel a bunch, uh, meet with different principals and superintendents. And um, I was in a meeting yesterday and the turnaround world has been my comfort zone in my career, just being mm-hmm. in schools that are within challenge situations that have to get results quickly. I think the challenge I have, I was talking to this awesome middle school principal yesterday who has been given one year to improve all the scores, however they're measured success, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, the challenge with that is like you and I both know that you've got to build culture. You've got to do the right things. 
And so I can imagine, maybe not that principal, because I think she gets what you're talking about, but yeah. there's got to be a, she's got to move the staff and there's got to be plenty of staff saying, if we waste, waste, right? Because I've heard this before, six weeks or whatever, building our houses and not doing a ton of teaching and learning and not doing all the pedagogy and all everything, we can't, we might not have a job by the end of the year. Yeah. What, what's your recommendation for schools that are in kind of those dire situations? Yep. One, to have the courage to follow this, because I think it's right. But two, how can you adjust some of your thinking or do you need to, to be able to get impact within that year uh, that keeps them going and the momentum going forward? Yep. So like, this is, this is a protocol that you identify, I mean, you, I'm sure you know, right? You, you identify what is really the problem, the central problem and why those scores are the way they are, right? Yep. Like we were audited. And typically <laughs> low performing schools are really geared around culture, but it may be the culture of academic excellence. It may be the culture of technology. Maybe a lot of times we just think culture of just like fun, good stuff, uh, qualitative, but it's like, what's the culture of literacy at your school? What's the culture of, and the whole point of having a great culture of relationships is that it builds you an infrastructure on how to attack all those micro cultures that exist. So what I always say is most of the time for low performing schools, it is actually the mindset, not the actual skill set for the kids, right? It is actually the culture of alignment. I, I assure you, you probably can go back to that school and say, okay, last year, what was the mission? Going back to say, what was the year end goal? And if we said we're going to develop this house system, the whole point of the house system is to get us to this year end academic metric. And this is how we're going to. So we identify the problem. Kids mindset is not. I assure you, if you looked at their test, they probably was going in there and just like go through the test. And we, it's all right. It don't matter. Your grade don't matter. Whatever the case may yeah. be. Right. Versus saying, hey, these are micro supports throughout the year. That yep. will allow the house system to, to thirst as our, as the vehicle to academic change. So that's the theory of change right there. And then now we execute, boom, boom, boom. I will mobilize the staff and say, our year end goal is we want 10% growth in everything. Math, English, language usage. We're going to use the house system as a vehicle to get there. That's our theory of change. And I, as a leader, will have to be okay to live, win, draw, or fail with that vehicle. That's my win or loss. And I will be transparent with the staff. If we lose and y'all follow me on this, if we lose, I'm on the hook. Yeah. Me. <laughs> but if we win, if we win, we are all celebrating and we're all doing this. And that's how I, I would take it. I love it. Um, I could talk to you for hours. I promise I would let you out of here by the top of the hour. I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to need you to come back, especially how often are you going to be dropping episodes uh, on your yeah, YouTube? Yeah, so we, we're dropping them bi-weekly, so every two okay. weeks. Okay, so I think after we have a few more, we may want to circle back if you have time for us yeah. and let's maybe even bring on some of those guys with you just to have a conversation about how you're building this culture because if I can, if I can be helpful this revolution, this is something that we, we fight for and I think all of our listeners are fighting for is creating culture belonging where every kid's go, an adult goes to school knowing that family needs them, that world needs them and they're excited to go to work. Uh, I'd love to be a part of this with you. No, no, that'd be great, man. And, and that's really... If we work together in different ways, the whole goal is to inspire others. Like I'm sure you go around principals, they don't know what's happening in other buildings. 
Yep. They, they, they're so caught in their building. They, they don't even like going to professional development. They'd be up on professional development looking at their computers all day, still stuck in the building. So yep. our videos, our show is to really inspire leaders to say, oh, my God, I never thought about a crew system or I never thought about how flags are painting my walls to look like we're under the sea. Right. I never you know, I, I never thought about those different things and hopefully it inspire others to be revolutionary in their school community. Can we talk about the hidden books, bookcase door of your boy, Dr. Brown's room that like, it looks like the bookcase comes out and you go back into the studio, like little details like that. Like that could be the only thing he did. And that would be game changing. Everybody would talk about it in the entire school. Like, it's just, like you said, looking for the littlest of details of how to make uh, something cool or stand out is a game changer. Yeah. You know, one of the books that I love is called the magic kingdom, the, 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 the secret, the seven keys to Disneyland success, right? Okay. And one of their principles uh, for greatness in regards of their organizational culture was the overwhelming level of attention to detail, right? And as a leader, that's what Trav did. That's what Dr. Brown did. He said, yo, I'm not just going to put a studio in here. I'm going to make it unique. I'm going to put a hidden bookcase in our library to open it to then that's how you walk into it, right? Like little things at my door, like at my school, like I put our logo on every door, right? But I also, little things like this with my staff, I bought them all professional business cards, right? Like I, even my, my, my to, to my office assistant, like you got a business card. Like I want you to understand that you matter, right? Yeah. And and that's, those are little things, man. And, and anybody could do, anybody can do. I love it. Um, is there something before I ask you our final closing questions or rapid fire round? Is there anything you want to say either about the principles in your book or just like the revolution itself to encourage yep. folks um, before we move on? Yeah, I, I like to talk a little bit about um, not only the show that we're hosting, but our next venture. Um, the next venture, I I resigned from my role as a principal Sorry. to because my mission was to revolutionize the educational experience as a founding principal. Um, I like to believe with what the magic that we did, being an Amazon bestselling author, all these great things, we accomplished that. But I want to tell you this, Dustin, this is something I found out through my experience. My dream grew from wanting to revolutionize the educational experience from kids to now wanting to revolutionize the educational system. Mm -hmm. And what I found is, and you know, we have a really big problem with the $1.7 trillion student loan debt crisis we have. We have a big problem with kids and the lack of motivation across the country. We have a big problem with the traditional academic systems and not teaching like just basic accounting, basic FICO, basic financial literacy and different things like that. So it got me to start an ed tech company called K-12 Crypto. And we have a company called K-12 Crypto that allows kids to learn and earn cryptocurrency based off of metrics that they meet in school, but they don't get access to the money until they graduate from high school. So we are revolutionizing PBIS and allowing kids to have a deposit only wallet and learn how to build on Roblox and learn how to drop an LP on Spotify or learn basic equations, go through our modules similar to Khan Academy and get paid to do it, but you don't get access to that money until you graduate from high school or you can use it for business, your life or college. And this is our way of saying, we could revolutionize and change the future of work and the future of learning and the future of safety in our society because of the way kids react to different things. So um, we're excited about that. I love that. Um, all right. I'm going to get you out of here. I promise. So rapid fire. First one, what habit 
or discipline, and it could be habits or disciplines, do you utilize on a, you know, every day or every week to make you the best version of yourself or to bring the best version of yourself to everybody? Man, that's a great question. Um, I like to say, man, I'm a, I'm a dreamer, man. Like dreaming keeps me grounded. And, and the reason why I say dreaming is because I feel that that's one of my best qualities I serve for people is to allow, to inspire them to see something beyond their own dreams uh, on how big something can get and how you can be inspired. Like the principals I work with, we'll get on in one of our sessions, they leave always feeling inspired, feeling great, feeling like, well, I didn't think like that. So uh, the ability to dream and think about practical dreams that can come true. I think that's and how I practice that is I cons- consistently dream and execute on my own dreams. Like I had a dream of a TV show and I said, let's, why, we have a camera here, let's do it, right? So that's, that's, that's what I would say. That's awesome. Can I ask, were you, did you know how to direct and produce before you dropped this latest video? Never. Oh my God, that makes me want to throw up because I, I looked at it and I was like, man, I'd like to be able to do that. Yeah. I'm sure he's got so much talent. Now I have no excuse because you're <laughs> like, oh no, I didn't touch it. I just figured it out. <laughs> figure it out. Like, it's, I mean, like, the answers are so, I mean, we have a team. Oh, don't get me wrong. It's not like a yeah. one man show, but we have a team. But what I'm saying is the ability to, for YouTube University, if you have the skills of critical thinking and being motivated and disciplined, I mean, the answers are out here. Yep. All right. I think I know the answer to this because you've dropped the name of it twice, but feel free to use a different book if you want. What's a book or books that you've either read recently or throughout your career that have made a huge impact that you want other people to check out? Definitely the alchemist, right? Okay. The alchemist. <laughs> you knew what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. The, the alchemist is the the story of Santiago. I'm looking at my uh my bookshelf right now, but the story of Santiago is my go to. Um, <laughs> what else is? Oh my God, my second favorite book, I will say, is Chop. Have you ever heard of a book called Chop Wood Carry Water? I have not. All right. So there's a book, man. I would love for you to read it. It's called Chop Wood. I'm looking at it. I'm, I must have it in my other library. But right, I'll Chop order Wood. it right now. Literally, I'm getting my phone out. I love, don't you love technology? I will order it right now. So it's at home when I get home. Yeah, it's a game changer. It's called Chop Wood, Carry Water, Boom. Okay. It's right and it's, the, it's falling in love with the process of becoming great. This is the book that changed the game for me. Chop Wood, Carry Water. All right. How to fall in love with the process of becoming great. It is a game changer. I love it. All right. It is purchased and I will follow back up with you after I read it and we can, we can talk about that. Um, Next question. I'm super interested to know where you land on this one. We always ask, you know, whether you're driving uh, for you, I guess, in traffic, uh, being out in LA, I think that's all you have um, or working out, running something. What, what music's on your playlist? Who are the artists? What are the songs? However you want to take that. All right. First, all-time favorite artist is J. Cole. Okay. J. Cole is... What's his like, best album? Forest Hills we going with? Are you gonna Forest go Hill, yeah. You can't, you can't. I mean, that's a tough one though, but... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, uh, anyway, a, we won't go down that path. That that may get... We may go too dark for our yeah. listeners for that but, one. But yeah, J., J. Cole, I'm listening to some some new up-and-coming artists. Uh, there's a young guy named LaRussell from um from northern california that is really that's on my playlist i have another guy from northern california his name is simba he's on the playlist and i'm just i like to listen and, and then actually there's a christian rapper 
Um, his name is Kieran Delight. Okay. Oh my gosh, Kieran Delight. If you are in, like, I mean, I don't know your audience, but like, if <laughs> you have a savior and you are really like into like hip hop too, but positive, like Kieran Delight, you will not be disappointed. All right. Uh, last question. I mean, you're around a lot of people who are influencing folks and motivating folks. What is the best piece of advice that you've come across lately that just hit you right in the chest that, you know, either for yourself or you want everyone else to know and think about? I, I would say two. Say two. One is, you know, I was one of my mentors. His name is Dennis McKees. He's over an organization called Off School Grounds. I actually had a chain on Off School Grounds. It's a coalition of principals across the country. We meet actually every Thursday and we talk about how we can help each other solve the problems in education. And one one of the things I'm sure you get it when you're talking with leaders, superintendents, district leaders, they 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 will say this sometimes. It's like, yo, you know, we're 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 flying the plane and building it at the same time, right? Like we're flying and building at the same time. And somebody said that, and I was close to Dr. McKeezy. He said, you know, I think it's about time we stop saying we're flying and building at the same time, because most of the times it always ends with somebody's cra crashing and burning. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. Or, or the pilot jumping out right before a crash and everybody's on there crashing, burning. And what that what that meant for me was what he said. He followed up. He said. Today's problems exist because people of yesterday didn't solve them. And he said tomorrow's problems that will exist will be because we didn't solve them today. Yep. And that quote for me always hits me because I'm like. What am I doing today to help solve so there will be less problems for tomorrow? Mm. And that's 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 what I live on right now. That's awesome. Well, as you look at the time, uh, we are about a minute out. I think we did it. I cannot I cannot believe start this conversation. There is zero percent chance I would be able to honor that promise to you, but uh, we got lucky. And I, I hope you know uh, and you can tell by my enthusiasm. I I am excited about what you're doing. I'm excited about the different forms of media, from social media to your YouTube channel to your book, to your speaking. Uh, we need to stay in touch. I'd love to be a part of helping you grow this impact because I think our hearts and heads are aligned to what needs to happen in our organization definitely as well. Man, let's do it, man. Let's do it. It's 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 all about collaboration, man, and, and partnering up and doing something phenomenal and revolutionary. Yeah, well, I love that. So I, I'm from uh, North Florida. So where I grew up is all about college football. So I didn't become a pro football fan until I moved to Dallas for college. And so my all my friends were Cowboys fans. So that's how I got to be a Cowboys fan, which is not as fun. So growing up, I'm a diehard Deion Sanders fan. And so uh, he went to Florida State's where I grew up. So uh, I started watching them, but I came a real fan later and it's not been fun since I've been a real fan. I think I'm their curse. I'll be honest. Uh, but hopefully that breaks here soon. Yeah, hopefully, man. I, I, I was a Cowboys fan, early 90s. They used to call me Tutu because I first seen him in Smith Run at my grandparents' house, and I didn't say 22. I said Tutu, Tutu. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when they started to call me Tutu. So, uh, now, nah, man, I'm right there with you. Our time is coming. Our time is coming soon. So, yeah. So it's honor. I'm actually being in Florida in January doing some work out there in Miami-Dade County. Um, but, yeah, man, let's, let's, let's figure it out. Let's be in touch. Uh, I appreciate you very much. Go, go, go enjoy your day. Thanks for making time for us. We'll be in touch, okay? Absolutely. Have a good one. All right. See ya. Please support us by subscribing to our YouTube channel, uh, podcast on Apple or Spotify, and 
help us celebrate the beautiful, messy work of shaping human potential.